We have already seen the preparations for the procedure of slaughtering the Para Aduma and burning it up into ashes and mixing it with water. Now the Mishnah begins to discuss the procedure itself. They tied the cow with a rope made out of mogog, which is a type of rubbery material made out of reeds, and it is a material that is not able to become tome. And although a rope can never become tome, it's too narrow and it's not considered to be woven together enough for it to be considered a item of clothing, a rope can never become tome. However, one of the stringencies involved in the procedure of the Paraduma is that even the material that it is made out of must be a material that cannot become tome at all, regardless of its state. So they tied its feet together so that it wouldn't move about, and Sanuha Gavama and they placed it on top of the arrangement of wood that is in a few moments' time going to be burnt up. On top of it, there was a kind of stand for the cow to be situated. The front of the cow's body was facing southwards, and its face itself was turned to the side to the west in the direction of the Besamikdosh. And the coin who would carry out the procedure was standing to the east of the animal to, uh, on its side, and he was also facing towards the Besamikdosh. Shochat Beiminoi, he would slaughter the cow with his right hand, even though, strictly speaking, this is only a requirement for animals that are slaughtered as a korban, which are going to be sacrificed on the Mizbeach, and the Paraduma, although there are many comparisons to a korban, at the end of the day, it's not considered to be a korban. So, strictly speaking, there is no need to slaughter it with his right hand, but for technical reasons, he would, because as the Mishnah continues, Vakibal Bismoiloi, he would catch the blood with his left hand, and then he would dip his right index finger into the blood and throw that blood or sprinkle it in the direction of the Besamekdosh. That's what the Mishnah is going to describe in a moment. And so for this reason, it was preferable that he receive his the blood in his left hand so that he would be able to sprinkle it with his right hand. And in order for it to be easy to catch the blood in his left hand, he would slaughter the animal with his right hand. However, Rabbi Yehuda says, He needed to catch the blood with his right hand, because this is considered to be equivalent to the catching of the blood of a korban, according to Rabbi Yehuda. So even if he wanted to slaughter the animal with his right hand, because it was his stronger hand, he would need to immediately give over the knife to somebody else, so that he'd be ready to catch the blood with his right hand, and then he would transfer that blood from the right hand into the palm of his left hand, and then, according to everybody, he would begin to sprinkle that blood with his right hand. Toval, he dipped his right index finger into the blood, which is in the palm of his left hand, and he sprinkled it in the direction of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the innermost room of the Beis HaMikdosh, seven times. Strictly speaking, the Torah actually describes the direction in which he needs to throw the blood as being towards the entrance of the building of the Beis HaMikdosh. However, since the Kohen Gadol was directly in line with the Beis HaMikdosh, facing that entrance and seeing it is essentially also, that, that, that would give him a direct line to see the Kodesh HaKadoshim entrance. Alkol Hazoya Tavila, before every time that he would sprinkle the blood in that direction, he would dip his right finger into the blood again, because he can't use that same blood to, for more than one of the sprinklings. Gomarela Hazois, once he finished all of the seven sprinklings, Kinachis Yodabigufashal Para, he would clean and wipe off his hand on the body of the cow. The truth is, even in between each of the seven sprinklings of blood, he needed to clean off his finger. 
because each sprinkling of the blood had to be only from that new blood. But then he wouldn't wipe his hand off on the body of the cow because then it might become dirty. Some of the hairs of the cow might get stuck to his finger. Rather, he would wipe the blood off on the side of a different utensil. However, at the end of all of the sprinklings, he could just wipe it on the body of the cow. Because anyway, even the blood that he would wipe onto this other utensil had to then be poured onto the animal, onto the cow, because there's an obligation that all of the cow and all of its blood needs to be burnt together. Not only the body itself, but even the blood that has come out. Yorad, the Koyen, would come down from on top of this big arrangement and pile of wood. The Hitsis Esoish Baalisois... He set the wood on fire using small twigs, which would be made out of the same material, the same wood, as the large logs that made up this arrangement of wood. Rabbi Akiva, and Rabbi Akiva says, Bacharias, they could even use branches of a palm tree, although it's not the same material as the main wood itself. According to Rabbi Akiva, there is no such requirement. At a certain point, the cow's body would open up, because of the heat and pressure of the fire. And as we mentioned, on top of this arrangement of wood, there was a kind of stand, and that's where the cow would be positioned. And surrounding this stand, there was a raised kind of platform. And because of this, where the cow was positioned appeared to be inside of a pit somewhat. It was lower down than the surrounding area. And because of this, that area where the cow was was called a gus which is a kind of pit. And the Mishnah says, the Kohen would stand outside of that area on the surrounding area, which is higher up, and he would take in his hand a piece of cedar wood, which is probably a kind of hyssop, and a red piece of wool. The Torah requires that these three materials be thrown into the fire, or more specifically, into the body of the animal while it is burning. And Omar Lohen, he would sort of announce to the people who were there, Eitz Erezeh, Eitz Erezeh, this piece of cedar wood, this piece of cedar wood, Ezoivzeh, Ezoivzeh, this Ezoiv, this hyssop, this hyssop, Shneiselazeh, Shneiselazeh, this piece of red wool, this piece of red wool, and he would say all of these questions, Sholish Pa'amma called each of them he would say three times, not just twice, as the Mishnah said. And they would answer yes three times to each of those questions. This was the practice whenever something was done in public. On behalf of the public, it was a significant procedure being carried out. So this was the general practice that they would always say each thing three times to confirm that he was carrying it out correctly. He would wrap the substances together, the hyssop and the cedar wood, with the remaining part of the woolen thread. It was longer than the other two pieces. The And then he would throw all of them together into the cow's body, which is being burnt up. The cow would be fully burnt up. And then they needed to turn it into ashes. They would hit the remaining part of the body with sticks in order to turn it into ash initially. And then they would sieve it with sieves so they would be left with a fine powder made of that ashes. This was done with sticks or hammers of stone and with stone sieves. Although, according to the first opinion of the Mishnah, 
after the cow has been burnt, the rest of the procedure does not need to be done only with materials that can never become Tomei. That is true until the cow has been burnt, whereas according to Rabbi Ishmael, even this part of the procedure is considered to be a continuation and finishing off that same procedure of burning up the cow and turning it into ashes. Shochar, a totally black piece of the cow, one that has been totally burnt, sheyesh by efer, that it can be turned into ashes by being crushed, kaisshin oisai, they would crush it so that it is a fine powder of ashes, v'shein boy, whereas a piece that is not yet fully ash, and even if it will be crushed, it won't be proper ash, manichin oisai, they would leave it in the place where it was burning. There's a discussion as to whether that means that it would then be burnt more thoroughly until it was able to be turned into ash. And that would explain the next part of the Mishnah that says, Ho'etzem Any bone parts of the cow, whether they were fully burnt or not, they would be crushed and added to the rest of the crushed powder of ash, as long as the, bur- the bones are slightly burnt. Because with regards to the bones, there is no requirement to make sure that every last bone is burnt. This is unlike the main part of the flesh of the cow, that there is a requirement to make sure that all of that is burnt. If there is a piece of the flesh the size of an olive that hasn't been burnt, then it invalidates the entire para aduma. So with regards to the flesh, they would leave it there if it wasn't fully burnt, in order to allow it to fully burn. Whereas with regards to the bones, that there is no requirement that they be fully burnt, those could just be crushed as they were. Others explain that the flesh that is not fully burnt would be left there and it wouldn't be further burnt. Rather, they would leave it there as long as the part which has not been burnt is smaller than the size of an olive. Continues the Mishnah, once all of the ash was ready, the Chalkin Chalokim, they would split it into three different portions. Echonitobachel, one of the portions of ash would be placed in the chel, which is a open area that surrounded the entire complex of the Beis HaMikdash. It went all around the outer courtyard and the building of the Beis HaMikdash, and in the wall that separated this open area and the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash, they would place a portion of that ash. The Torah requires that part of the ash be kept forever and not be used as part of the purification of people who have become Tomei. One of the portions would be placed in Harazesim, and when Kohanim became impure from a dead body, they would be purified over there with the ash that was stored there. And one of the three portions was distributed to all of the 24 groups of Koyanim for them to take home to their respective areas where they lived so that people who had become Tomei would be able to be purified easily. They wouldn't need to travel all the way to Yerushalayim. And there would be this solution readily available there and they could be purified by a Kohen in their own cities. This chapter continues to talk about the procedure of slaughtering the Paraduma and burning it and different invalidations that could possibly come about for the Paraduma. We have mentioned a number of times that the Torah refers to the Paraduma as a chatos, which is also the name of a particular type of carbon, a sacrifice that is brought to atone for certain sins, a carbon chatos. And because of this description that the Torah gives the Paraduma, many of the laws that apply to Karbonis also apply to a Paraduma. The question is, to what extent does that comparison go? 
when one carries out a procedure for a carbon that involves slaughtering the carbon and catching its blood, bringing its blood towards the Mizbeach and throwing it towards the Mizbeach, at the time that those actions are being performed, the Kohen who is performing them must have the correct intention that he is performing these services for the sake of that particular carbon. So, for example, if it is a carbon shalomim, the Kohen must have the intent that he is slaughtering the animal for the sake of it being offered up as a carbon shalomim. What happens if he has the intention for it to be offered up as a different carbon to that which is supposed to be offered up for? The Mishnah at the beginning of Maseches Zvachim teaches that it is valid. Although ideally he needs to have the correct intention, the wrong intention in that regard would not invalidate the carbon. That having been said, with regards to a carbon chatos, it does invalidate the carbon. So if an animal was designated to be offered up as a carbon chatos, and whilst the coin was slaughtering it, he had the intention that it be bought as a carbon shalomim. For example, that's a different type of sacrifice. It would be invalid. So the Mishnah says, Paras chatos shechatos the cow that is being used for the para aduma, if it was slaughtered, not for its sake. That is to say, the person who slaughtered it had the intention that it be offered up as a type of carbon. Or kibel if he caught the blood of the cow that came out of its neck and he sprinkled it in the direction of the Beis HaMikdash, and whilst he performed one of those two actions, again, he did it not for its own sake. He had the wrong intention, that he was performing these services for the sake of it being offered up as a type of carbon on the Mizbeach. These are essentially the three main parts of the procedure, slaughtering it, catching the blood, and throwing it in the direction of the Beis HaMikdash. These parallel three out of the four actions that, inv- that are involved in the service of bringing a carbon on the Mizbeach. Or if he performed one of these actions and he began having the correct intention, and by the end of that same action, for example, of slaughtering, he then changed his intention and completed that action for the sake of a different carbon. Or if he started doing that action with the wrong intention and he finished it off, then it should be for the sake of the paraduma. In all of these cases, Pasula, the paraduma would be invalidated just like a carbon chatos would be invalidated in such a case. However, Abeliezer Abeliezer says that it is valid, because according to Abeliezer, we don't take the comparison so far, and since the Parah Aduma at the end of the day is not a carbon, the entire procedure takes place outside of the Beis HaMikdash, it's not offered up on the Mizbeach, so it would not become invalidated in the same way as a carbon chatos becomes invalidated. On a similar note, according to the first opinion of the Mishnah, if the one who was performing these procedures didn't wash his hands and feet before doing so, that is something that is required before performing any service inside of the Beis HaMikdash. And likewise, over here, if he failed to do so, then Pasula, the service and the procedure of the Paraduma would be invalid, Rebeliezer Machsher. But once again, Rebeliezer says that it would be valid because in this regard, it is not considered to be like a carbon. Continues the Mishnah, If the procedure was not carried out by a Kohen Godol, Pasula, it is invalid according to the first opinion of the Mishnah. Rabbi Yehuda Machsher, however, Rabbi Yehuda says that it is valid, and indeed the Halacha goes according to Rabbi Yehuda, and the argument is based on how they learn the Pasukim. The first Paraduma that was ever slaughtered and whose procedure was go- gone through, it was done by Elozar, the son of Aaron Hakoyen. And Elozar was the deputy Kohen Godel. And the implication of the Pesukim is that it's specifically with regards to that first Paraduma that it was done by the deputy Kohen Godel. So the first opinion of our Mishnah understands that it's coming to say that the future Paradumas are not performed by the deputy Kohen Godel, but rather by the Kohen Godel himself. 
Whereas Rabbi Yehuda understands quite the opposite, that it was coming to say that that paraduma had to be performed by a deputy Kohen Gadol, but the future paradumas could be performed by any regular Kohen, and not even a deputy Kohen Gadol is needed. If the Kohen who is carrying out the procedure is lacking any of the four garments that a Kohen needs to wear whenever performing a service in general in the Beis HaMikdash, and over here as well, Pasula, then it would be invalid. And it was carried out whilst wearing white clothes. That is to say, even when the Kohen Godol is the one who is performing the procedure, he wouldn't wear the regular eight items of clothing that a Kohen Godol wears, but rather the four white items of clothing that a regular Kohen wears. And this is learnt from a comparison to Yom Kippur. That just like on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol wears white clothes, just like a regular Kohen, at least for the most part, so too over here.